welcome to Europarama, a podcast series about science fiction and the future of Europe. I'm Giuseppe Porcaro, author of Discos Hour. And I'm Anthony Strager from Berlin Sci-Fi Film Festival, the first and primary science fiction film festival in Germany. And I'm Isabella Hermann. I'm a political scientist and I do research in science fiction. And today we are here to discuss the pandemics in science fiction. The raging epidemic of the Italian flu is sowing seeds of fear and panic throughout the world. A severe shortage of vaccine of every kind is reported in almost all countries. Everywhere there are ugly confrontations. I'm simply trying to gather information to help the people in the present trace the path of the virus. We're not in the present now. Your town is being quarantined. We got 19 dead. We got 100 more infected. It's spreading like a brush fire. What are you talking about? So who are you? Wake up today in hospital. Wake up and I'm, I'm hallucinating. I've got some bad news. They're infected. Infected! quite clear why we are discussing this if we are allowed to go on our streets or uh, we we will basically have a scenario that probably only one month ago we would only have imagined in a science fiction movie and it looks like we are actually living a science fiction movie even if not really a very pleasant one so having said that, uh, what we want to do today is uh, to discuss a little bit about, um, about pandemics in science fiction. But first of all, before we go, we go into the subject matter of the situation, I would like to ask uh, our uh, guests today uh, what has been their own science fiction pandemic moment in the past few weeks, because uh, uh, I had one, and I'm going to tell you very soon, but I'm pretty sure that uh, uh, you have also been living this moment where all of a sudden you've been realizing, oh shit, this is not like business as usual. This really looks like something out of a movie. So I don't know, Anthony, what has been your, your moment of this kind? I think I was cynical and probably very uh, lax and laissez-faire about what was going on because I actually came to the UK from Berlin to go to a funeral. Um, and it was in the north of England. I stay with my father in uh, West Yorkshire, Bradford. So I went to the funeral, come back, and my flight's cancelled. Um, so I was only planning to be in the UK uh, eight days. So I get my EasyJet information it's been rescheduled you can book this time so i rebook it's cancelled another email comes along yes it's cancelled now till the first of may with the probability it will go on at least another three weeks maybe longer and it's when you get that kind of situation where you're going like okay my father's 87 years old and i'm really pleased i am in the uk helping him and taking care of him because it's a frightening situation that we're facing economically, not just in the UK here, but throughout Europe. And the, 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 he has no, uh, there are no um, carers that can actually get to see him. He has a range of carers coming on a regular basis. The only person coming now is one lady that checks his blood on a weekly basis. And it's she walks in and I have to walk to the other room and then she walks up to him and she's got all her PPE on it. And it's a kind of a weird, you know, you do feel like this is some kind of weird epidemic and I don't understand what's going on. And I don't, I'm fit. She's obviously fit. My dad for 87 is fit, but with all this social distancing, this two meter stuff and people covering their faces, it looks like something straight out of, you know, yeah, well, probably quarantine which is probably probably the most accurate film of the time in fact if that was made today you would say well they're just copying but this was done 10 years ago i mean quarantine did everything that's happening now 10 years ago so that was my kind of blinding moment other than watching people fight over a packet of 
pasta and beans and and you know two silly old ladies rolling around on the floor looking for a, a, the last toilet roll i mean you know it's something that you kind of get used to in the north of england where people fight just about over anything <laughs> <laughs> well speaking about fighting for food at the supermarket my own experience when i had this like uh, moment of switch was uh, was a few weeks ago. It was before there were lockdown measures announced in, in Belgium, but uh, we all knew that they would have been announced in the, in the afternoon of that day. So I, I, I thought, okay, there is going to be panic at the supermarket, so I will go to the supermarket in the morning. And I decided to buy quite a lot of stuff, not consciously, but I just started to pile up things after things. And then when I went to pay, the, the cashier told me, maybe do you want a cart to, to bring it home? And uh, first I say, what do you mean do you, you want a cart? You know, like the, like the cart, like the, the, do you have carts that you rent? Say, yeah, yeah, the cart, like the cart that you've been using for, for just going and strolling in the supermarket for buying stuff. Say, well, okay. Say, yeah, well, why not? Because it was really a lot of stuff. And so I had this scene in my neighborhood where I started to go on the street. There were already basically no car and almost no people in the street. And I was like with this cart full of grocery stores in the middle of the street, emptied. And I looked around and say, okay, that's, that's it. You know, like that's, that's the movie scene, you know, it's starting. What about you, Isabella? Um... Yeah, maybe I can add um, a little a different experience. So, I mean, first, as a disclaimer, I mean, the situation in general is very uh, ugly in many aspects. And um, I'm also quite privileged. So I get paid still, you know, I can stay at home. I got home office, you know. Um, having said that, my sci-fi moment is actually that I didn't have a sci-fi moment, if you define a sci-fi moment like in these apocalyptic scenes, you know, or empty streets or people with face masks and stuff. Because for me, and actually when I'm talking to friends also, they see it or I'm seeing it as a kind of deceleration. Because normally, um, I mean, you, you, you both know that, I guess, um, I go to a lot of events I mean, I'm also myself moderating, I'm sitting on panels, I do a lot of social networking and stuff. And right now, I mean, I can just stay at home and read a book and I don't have any fear of missing out, you know, because there is nothing taking place. So it's totally fine because everyone stays at home. So I can do that too and do my stuff, do research, watch some sci-fi films. And for me, yeah, it's kind of... Um, relaxing so there is no pressure anymore so basically for you it's quite uh, it's quite a positive experience i i can i can say uh, yeah i mean except of the um social distancing thing or i i'd rather say it's a physical distancing not a social distancing because right now we have also a social thing right and i'm talking mm. to a lot of people via skype and zoom so the social part is, is not the problem the physical one yeah. but except that also i mean i get everything i need in the supermarket um i mean we can go out still in Berlin I mean you can go for a walk you can do jogging so I mean you can go out and enjoy the sun yeah I mean yeah I know I get uh, me I have to say that I have a second part or a sequel of, of, of what what happened in the supermarket and so on because just uh, a few days after uh, I, I had this moment actually I got sick and I had to go to the emergency room and the coronavirus emergency room that was really like uh, like pandemic uh, a pandemic movie in the full sense with with you know people covering themselves in masks and so on and you know that 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 was quite scary uh, per se because i was scared as well because i was not feeling good but then i had to go back i mean thanks god i didn't have very uh, i had only mild symptoms so i was sent home but i was sent home in isolation so actually the fact that i did the panic kind of uh, shopping for the grocery came to that's why it's a sequel like came into place very nicely and and uh, in the sense that i had food for two weeks at home and uh, without going out but but this thing of not going out completely at some point is trying 
starting to get into my head, you know, yeah. as you can imagine. And I think just to, to add one more aspect, because we are talking right now about science fiction moments and then also about science fiction films. And I think this is so interesting. All the three of us, we are also kind of experiencing a different film right now. You know, yeah. I mean, it's all about kind of how you perceive your surroundings, what experience you have. So, yeah, this is quite of a film in a film, you know. I have got one prequel to add to this, actually. The, the first thing for me was um, before I had to go come over for this uh, for this funeral, um, I was just I took a walk just another day. I just taking a walk out, having a half hour wander around and I passed uh, Reva and uh, they have a like a Gutrank store, a, you know, a supermarket for, for booze. And I'm looking and I'm watching three cars in this car park, uh, one with old people in, one with some Turkish people in and one with some <laughs> just, I would say, middle aged people. And they're all stocking their cars full of water. I mean, not just a little bit of water. Mm. And I stopped and I looked and, you know, it's like that moment where you're going like, there's this it's that horror moment horror movie moment where you're going like what's going on oh it was i just couldn't understand and i got home to my wife and i, I said to Kevin, i said i've just seen the weirdest thing why were these old people stacking all this water in the in this truck i'm going like she says well you know old people do that I'm like do they i mean do they really buy so much and and it was a kind of like um it was just this kind of like weird connect and I never thought about it until actually we got here, then the lockdown comes down, and now I am stuck in a house with my father, you know, and that, who I've not been stuck in a house with since I was what twenty <laughs> years old, you know. And then you got these two silly old blokes, you know, like at each other, left, right, and center, smashing at each other. Um but you know, it's 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 a very weird weird thing and I, and I took a walk down a canal and there's all these people with face masks and you're going like and, every, and everybody walks around you like you have got the plague and going like yeah inside my actual reaction is laughing because it feels like i don't feel like anybody here knows the truth that's what i feel in what sense well, in the in that that you know we get all this inf public information, we get the government information, we get the how it works, what it works, what the virus does. All this information comes in, and people like some people have a mask on, some people have rubber gloves on, some people have rubber gloves on, take the rubber gloves off, put them on the floor, and leave them there. That sounds good. They have trolleys for supermarkets, but nobody wipes the trolley handles or anything. You go inside, you queue, supposedly at two meters apart, mm -hmm. but nobody really queues two meters apart because if they've got kids, the kids run around. They don't seem to stop the kids from running around. Therefore, everybody gets a bit more compressed. Yeah. And then, and then you, you enter in the supermarket and people are, are just free range roaming in, inside the supermarket. Like Absolutely. you have the queue. You have the queue to enter inside and then you enter in the supermarket and it's free range. You can have like the lady uh, uh, just bumping behind your back because she needs the same thing that you're looking in the same shelf and stuff like that. So it's, it's I agree with you. It's very contradictory, the whole thing and, to and a certain that's extent. That that's when it feels like it's a surreal movie. It's not just science fiction. It just feels everything surreal because I feel like I have all the right information but not necessarily in the right order. <laughs> and that's the problem. <laughs> yeah, you know, you're totally true. But going into this discussion about uh, with kind, in which kind of movies we are all living, because as you say, I mean, I think Isabella has a point. Each of us is living a different movie. But stepping a little bit back and also like the reason... Of, of gathering all the three of us together today is um, is going a little bit through the actual um, genre of uh, of uh, pandemic movies in in science fiction and uh, and have a little bit of a look about uh, what kind of movies have been out there because I think that this is also like very much which are our references what we've been watching um, the way we are now relating to our daily experience is. It is, even if it is informed by the TV news and by what we read and by what we 
we, we, we speak with our close people and close circles of people, there is a certain degree that whatever we are doing at the moment is also in, informed, uh, our reaction and so on, is also informed by our imaginary. And this imaginary has been formed to a very large extent by the way science fiction uh, uh, in, 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 uh, has been predicting or, or, or showing uh, pandemics in, in, in the past maybe 40 years of, of the history of, of movies, but maybe even more. So I would like to ask you, Anthony, because you are the most knowledgeable of all of us on that, uh, to give us a little bit of an overview of, uh, of the genre and, um, and see a little bit how we, we make these kind of connections with the dots. And perhaps we also provide a service to our listeners because they might end up at the end of this episode with a watching list. Okay, well, I mean, you know, the watching list is pretty endless, but I'd like to start by saying it's kind of not surprising, really, that COVID-19 crisis has sent people rushing to fiction about the con contagious disease itself. You know, they're buying books, they're watching movies about pandemics, um, and, and, and this stuff has now hit an all-time high. I mean, according to, this is according to iTunes, that they've never had so many people, you know, watching um, disaster, stroke, um, contagion movies. I mean, it's nearly as popular as buying toilet roll. Come on. Um, so, you know, people stuck in self-isolation, you know, you know, they're picking up novels like The Stand by Stephen King or they're, you know, they're streaming Contagion. Exactly. Probably the most important one to talk about at some point um, in terms of, of um, Contagion uh, and, and disease films. But I keep asking myself a, a quick question, which is why are we reading this, these books and these watching these movies on, on these, this, these up, up, apocalyptic Thank you. Apocalyptic. apocalyptic. That's fine. <laughs> pandemics, you know, because are we doing it for comfort in 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 the situation that we're in? Is it is it a comfort factor? Is it like having to clap for all the people that are on the front line? Are we trying to, um, you know, circumvent the actual real feelings by by indulging in in something that's non-reality based i mean that's you know for years and years and certainly in germany and isabella will agree with me you know like german tv is filled with crime about medical narratives and and this kind of thing and and these are the kind of things that you know kind of seep into the psyche of people and so this whole thing is like it's exploded people are watching these so let's call them disaster movies, not just you know, disease movies, mm. because if we look at them as a disaster, yes. it's it, it disaster covers, movie, but also like end of the world kind of movies yeah. so and it's you science know. fiction, it's yeah. horror, it's thriller, yeah. it's pure drama, you know, and, you know, I think um, that pandemics scare us partly because they transform other less concrete fears about globalization or cultural change or community identity into a tangible threat that we can understand, you know, on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, in looking at that, you know, I've, I've, I've selected a list of films that I, I, I'll, I'll go through uh, that I, I love and, and chose. The, the three that for me are the most relevant are probably Contagion, 2011 which could have been written right now and put out today and everybody would say it's just a, a kitchen soap drama because it's so accurate as to what has happened from you know wuhan onwards and the way it starts and the way it ends it it's an incredible film and the, the question i ask myself about this is if this was um a view of a possible future for 220 2020 why weren't the governments thinking like this in 2002 2004 2006 2008 2010 when we had all these sars mars swine the, que the question would be if a, if a movie maker or a film director i mean like if a film director can can predict it why the government is not predicting it right that's that's your but question. You see, the thing is, I, it's not about predicting it. They probably do predict it, but what they are about 
and this is one of the things that frightens me about what's going on is it's about this world global economy it's about you know maybe we've reached a point in world global economy that it has to so radically change for the future in order to make the next step this includes whether it be ai as Isabella and I have talked about on, on many occasions, and it in includes that how we work socially because more people don't have jobs than do have jobs. Our world population is just about to hit 8 billion. We're heading towards 12. You know, we're getting less jobs rather than more jobs. There is an elite that has so much money where everybody else is so little. And we see this from, you know, whether you look at a thing like Demolition Man as a good example of a, a, split, a split strata of, you know, of, of where a human actually exists on the scale. You're either in the elite and live their way or you live down with us like scraps. And, uh, and, and that is something that I find frightening throughout this whole thing. But anyway, Contagion is the most realistic, without a doubt. Steven Sonnenberg's film is probably my favorite. The other one that I like, and I... I term this as a monster movie with comedy but it deals with it because if you're throwing for Haldemine into the river in great numbers you would ex some expect something to happen so host uh by, by bong ju ho is probably my favorite film of his and it's great entertainment if you've not seen it and the, the top of my three would also be 12 monkeys which is probably the only one of them which is what i would which i would call a true science fiction it's it's set in 2035 it moves between timelines it's the it's a dystopian sci-fi fantasy you know steampunk it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, almost. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and I think crazy. that has a, has a kind of a definite relevance. But other films that that um, that I really liked. I mean, I did really like the the Crazies 2010 more than the two the, the original 1973 because a Timothy Olyphant is one of my favorite actors. But I think they nailed it. You know, the way that this um, the water supply was. Uh, was was uh, became a contact contact became contaminated contaminated and how the uh, residents slowly seep through the town and and it works through and and the way that the military and the governments dealt with it i thought was pretty smack on um outbreak from 1995 is a kind of silly uh, movie based probably around the ebola of the time um and the other ones i've just got let me go through this list i mean once i start with other ones uh you've got things like uh last man on earth 1964 very much a horror movie dealing with undead zombie land 2009 um again obviously a zombie movie day of the dead is a great favorite of mine i put that out above everybody else because i just love the way that the uh, the head scientist is fighting with the military about trying to develop the psyche and understand what the the the, the true needs and get tap into the the humanity of the zom uh, the zombies themselves. Um, the other one is Twenty Eight Weeks Later, which we did discuss earlier, which is a, just twenty eight days. Twenty eight days later, or twenty eight weeks. Twenty eight days. Days. Okay. Um. It's it's um, twenty eight. No, it's twenty eight weeks later, isn't it? The first one. The first one is twenty eight days. Twenty eight. The days. second one is twenty eight. Yeah, yeah, you're weeks. right. I'm yeah. Yeah. So it's the, it's the, it's a Cillian Murphy introduction when he's walking around London, uh, which is probably one of the most stark um, images I've uh, uh, from any film, and and, it, and again that that's one of the great trademarks to say somebody like Danny Boyle. He just. It, it, you hooked 15 minutes into that film. It doesn't matter what the rest of it's like. Yes. Great. Um, other one that I haven't seen yet that I really want to see is called It Comes at Night 2017. Um, and this is starring Joel Edgerton. And it, um, it, it, I've just got a bit of a note on here. In the aftermath of a planetary contagion, a lone family exists deep in the woods until a handful of survivors cross their path. Um, it looks like a very interesting one. Um, so that's one that's something I'm going to check out this week. You could also name in that Bird Box. Actually, that's a very good film. It doesn't say what the contagion was, what causes the madness. Although all you can't do is look 
at the person with the madness. That's a very interesting film and well worth checking out. Um, you could go I Am Legend 2010, hmm. which is basically a remake of Omega Man. And the last one I would say, which was my childhood favorite, which was Andromeda Strain, which is a, a, a strain virus that comes out of space and, and they try it, how it mutates and changes. And the other thing I saw the other day on, on the BBC was something about uh, there's been already some kind of mutation of COVID-19. So that odd answer, scary dimension to the whole thing. On, on this last, if I may uh, have a question to you, uh, the invasion of the body snatcher, the 1976 mm -hmm. version, mm -hmm. would you qualify that movie within the pandemic kind of movie? I would, I would, uh, I would qualify that with um, George Romero's original uh, *Night of the Living Dead* in that it's a more political statement of what was going on at the time, rather than than go for the pandemic aspect. But that's a personal thing. Maybe I'm wrong. No, because of course you have the '50s movies, which is mm -hmm. really much Cold War, mm -hmm. and then you have the '76 movie, which is much more psychological, and you yeah. see like. The way the contagion, like, or the way the aliens are invading, it's pretty much different. The first one, it's, as you say, it's very McCarthy, Cold War, yeah. um, witch hunt, uh, or, and, and the alien, uh, basically a metaphor of the Soviets. While on the second one, the alien is inside you. And there is this whole metaphor about the alien inside you is very much more psychological the breakdown of society late 70s the united states yeah. and and so so and I, on these kind of things about the metaphors that all these movies that you are mentioning uh, which are an incredible watching list i i've been watching almost all of what you 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 mentioned uh I, I have I have to watch the crazes and I would I need to watch uh, it comes at night as well but there's a uh, couple of others that, that just as, as, a, as a sideline there's um two that I, I have no idea about absolutely no idea I was just going through and uh, and I just hit typed in you know virus movies and I have no idea about quarantine 2008 it kind of came and passed me by and the other one was carrier 2009. Um, and, and you mentioned to me earlier on about an old movie, Virus. Yeah, a Japanese movie from 1980. 80, where 1980, was it 82, yeah, something like that. Uh, 80 uh, or 82 or something, but basically, I, I, remember, I haven't remember, seen it. But No, I haven't seen it, but I tell you what, that's on my hit list tonight. Yeah, but you know, the funny thing about this movie, which I haven't seen it, but I saw the description, it says that in Japan there is a, a pandemic from a virus that is called the Italian flu. And that mm. makes me also kind of, I mean, like, kind of, you know, parallelism about what is going on now. I mean, first it, it was Chinese, home. but now it came home and then, and then what has been going on in Italy. But I wanted to stay a little bit more on the issue of the metaphors and the political metaphors about the, mm. the movies, that, that the genres uh, and the cross genres and the movies that we've been seeing. And ask a little bit, Isabella, to reflect a little bit more on, on that issue about the political metaphors in in that watching list but yeah. in general i mean actually um to get to get started i could add um, another film which i pretty much like it's the children of men from 2006 by alfonso cuaron uh, which has a lot of religious and political uh, messages actually and the interesting thing is that this film was made in 2006 so it plays in london it was made in 2006 before the financial economic crisis in uh, 2008 and before Brexit, of course. And um, in the film, there is kind of a global pandemic. It's not really clear if it is how it works, but it is a pandemic or maybe kind of a biblical plague. And so there are no children born anymore. So the um, youngest person on earth is 18 at the time of the film, which plays in 2027. So now only seven years in the future. And um, this youngest person on earth um, got um, shot by a fanatic fan or something. And then the youngest person is 25. So it's kind of really, I mean, humanity obviously is, is, is dying out. And what this film actually tells us, so it's really, what 
what also Anthony said, kind of a mirror or a, a magnifying glass of what's now going on in the world and our concerns. So in Children of Men, I mean, um, Great Britain has totally locked its borders, the state closes off, there is no international cooperation anymore. So, you know, our system is also pretty much demasked. Um, there is uh, a migration fluxes, there is a police state, there are fundamentalist groups taking advantage, there are legal suicide pills for the elderly because the systems cannot care for so much old people anymore because, I mean, no, no people are born. Um, so this is really a, um, a reflection of our concerns and also what's happening right now, you know, because right now um, the virus kind of unmistakably lies bare what are actually our problems or what's going on regarding, for example, the health systems, you know, supply chains, um, system relevance, um, all our how the political systems deal differently with those kind of pandemics. So you have really this kind of magnifying glass, what happens right now in reality, and you can see this pretty much in the Children of Men film. Um, but, but also all these films, actually, they are not only tell us about what's really going on, or they're not just only a mirror, but they're also a reflection of our, let's say, values, prejudices, and, and primeval fears, if you want. So, so, for example, I mean an outbreak and also in um, contagion, but also now in the real world, where does the virus come from? From Asia and Africa, you know, this kind of wild, uncivilized countries, regions. <laughs> I mean, it's oh my God. You're being so... Which I really think is also a very good example. I mean, it's rather a zombie film, but I mean, the zombies, it's a virus, so it's pretty much also kind of um, science fiction-ish, if I, if I can put it like that. So there you have this fear of kind of mindless hordes, you know, overrunning the system. And you can really see that right now, how we try to keep the system. I mean, you know, our economic capitalist world system, if we put kind of all efforts that this is this keeps running mm. or or what i think is super interesting is kind of value systems you know and taking the virus only as a narrative means is for example in contagion because who kind of is the carrier of the bad virus of course the unfaithful woman you know betrayed her husband and who survives the nice met damon husband you know kind of this, this I think that was a pretty reasonable assumption there. I think, I, you know, no, actually, I mean, I think it, it, you're right. You could you could reverse it, and it could have been an unfaithful husband, and it could have been any other. But the but the actual chronology and the timeline structure of that film is actually slipping very nicely into what's happening. Yeah, yeah, it is. And that's it the is. scary part. It's it's like, and when you go back, when you hit the end of the film. And you find that the the the, the you know the, the bat who drops the fruit, the pig that eats that gets cut, that that's that the cook yeah, yeah, yeah. guts it, no, comes absolutely. out, wipes his hands, shakes her hands, she rubs her face. It was like day one, and, and it was, I, I, you know, I, I very rarely I'm, I've known of this film for a long time, and I'm, I have to admit I've never seen it because it doesn't qualify for me as a science fiction, and it doesn't qualify as a horror, so it's to me a drama but when yeah, you actually watch well, it it's know. one hell of a piece of factuality it's like it's a documentary yeah, and not yeah, absolutely i don't i i i'm absolutely agreeing but still i mean there is some underlying underlying narrative you know which is i mean with, which goes really back to some whatever primeval fears mm. and of course it is i mean you could have done it another way but it is done like that that but the thing it was done of... like is it, it was done like now. I mean, yeah, 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 sure. That's the and only thing. That, the only thing that scares me about right? the film. They work without. I mean, they just work. So it's not really then about the virus, but if you look at the other kind of side of the story, where the virus is just 
kind of a means or or part of the narration to tell other stories it's quite interesting yeah sure uh, I on this i just i think it's just want to say that i think i i i think that the, the way that he approaches it is purely from the virus point of view and he allows this kind of whether it be um you know choosing to make it an obvious gender specific way of of looking at it or anything like that it just shows life as it continues and how it gets out of hand very easily we've seen that you know in the uk there's just been madness and mayhem over we're still letting in flights the only place we're letting in flights from iran who is has got the same problem we have why i don't know are they being screened no what are they doing nobody's saying i have a question about these metaphor things because that 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 is in general, when I look at science fiction, and I was mentioning before about, you see the same movie that was done in the 1950s and the 1970s has a totally different meaning, and there's a to totally different political context to it. So you could, going through the history of pandemic movies, from Andromeda, I mean, Andromeda Strain, you, you mentioned it, a couple of movies from the 70s, and then you went to the 90s, you know, you, you, you mentioned Outbreak, Silly movie, action movie, basically, but very much 1990, what was going on with Ebola, but also what was going on with US politics in, in you know, like the, 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 the way they were uh, acting as the soldiers of uh, the rest of the world uh, during Clinton times, uh, yeah. just after the fall of the Berlin Wall, you know, like you, you, you have these kind of narratives that, that obviously they linked to very much the, the, the historical moment you are in. Um, mm. So if we go on this kind of interpretation, which is uh, obviously contagion is very much here and now because it's just a few years ago. So actually it really looks like a documentary because probably mm. it was meant to be a science fiction movie in, in related or relating to things that, that might happen in, in, in the, our current society, hence very closely more linked to, to drama. Mm. On the other hand, there was this science fiction factor, like like this fictional factor about this global pandemic, whatever it is. And now this global, I mean, that there was only one fiction factor within the world movie. The rest of the movie was basically here and now. And then mm. that factor becomes reality and becomes our reality. And so that movie becomes basically not anymore a science fiction movie. It becomes a documentary almost or you know, like a drama or whatever, but basically it's almost like a documentary of, of, of a TV news uh, uh, that we're watching on a daily sphere. So that, that my point here is, is really, we can really see in, in the situation we are in now, the way science fiction interplays with, with, with the rest of the narratives that they are in society. Mm -hmm. And now everything is kind of mixed up. And that's, that's the thing, like you're going down stairs if if you can go downstairs and go out and and experience the things the kind of things that we were starting with at the beginning of the movie you really have the feeling that things are really mixed up you know like like you, we we don't even have the parameters that we might have in analyzing uh, fiction on one side and, and reality on yeah. the other side and tv news on the other side you mentioned anthony at the beginning is that somehow the fact that we relate to science fiction movies while we watch the TV news is a way for coping with the situation because we don't yeah. have any other kind of references no. beside the Black Plague, uh, the, 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 the Black Death in, in the in the, 12, or the 12, Spanish flu of Or the Spanish flu, yeah, exactly. But, but, but really, like, the, the, inter, in the collective imagination, the collective memory about those stuff, the closest thing... To collective memory here it's science fiction so that's yeah. that's exactly what's going on and that's why um i'm real little bit you know baffled about about this whole situation but also trying to to see in the in, in the movies that you mentioned how how things have been anticipated how things have not been anticipated but um but yeah i mean it, it's, yeah. it's it's just oh. like on the political level uh you you isabella you mentioned very well the fact that there are there are things that that are totally at play on you know even on the way of, of the choreography that that certain things are displayed in our tv news they definitely we cannot deny i mean even if it's reality the way 
the stories are being told on a daily yeah. basis. They have I a mean, certain part of reference about what has been going on in science fiction movies, and there is always like this kind of threat and 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 stuff. It's it's you know like to make it real, you need to show people with masks because otherwise people will think that this is business as usual, and this is not business as usual because we are not in business as usual. You know. Yeah, Isa. I mean, I, I maybe I can I can add something because so of course um, contagion, for example, is really realistic and. As Anthony said, I wouldn't even say it's a science fiction film. It's rather drama. So, but I mean, there is there there is a continuum, right? If it's rather more science fiction, more realistic. So this is kind of um, how we can think about those films. But but still, another thing is that science fiction is not really a prediction of the future, you know, or a foresight or tells us really what's going to happen in the future. Science fiction is also really a, a thought experiment or um, a what-if scenario, which is not really oriented towards the future, but maybe it's rather a step to the side, right? To enable, to think about things happening that wouldn't happen. I mean, I don't say that, I mean, right now we're living in a pandemic. I agree. But, but you know, if you just look at science fiction as if it was a kind of futurology or foresight, it kind of reduces the genre to, to only being a mirror of realistic events. And that's not, I mean, it's not even metaphorical, it's even too weak, I guess. So Stronger said, it's really enabling another view to think about things. So and for example, because we had this before with the with the aliens, and I think this is a wonderful example that it's not really in those films about viruses. It is not necessarily about the virus. It's about the fear of humans, yeah. of the other. And if you look at those films, also the films we discussed before, for example, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, I mean, the virus, I mean, even it's it's an alien kind of invi invading um, um, humanity, right? And then it functions like a virus or also in The Thing or in um, The Invasion, the film with Nicole Kidman and Daniel Craig. And, and there the alien is really a representation of our primeval fears or losing control or being kind of, you know, invaded by the other kind of so you know it's not it's not really talking about real events it's kind of a maximum othering it, it is it's exactly that it's, it's just a mirror the virus. It's just a mirror it's just and a mirror uh, to, you know to to our deepest fears are um, it's about what's happening in our in our present moment and how filmmakers explore those fears yeah needs uh, desires and everything else that goes emotionally with it in order to project the possible outcomes. Yeah. So, for example, in the film in um, Prometheus, the very, mm. the very bad prequel of Alien, I'd say. Uh, but there, actually, you know, it comes kind of out that um, we there is are wor There is worse than... Sorry, Isabella. There is worse than Prometheus. It's the, the sequel of Prometheus. Isn't it? Yeah, this is even worse. I don't know. What's the name of the sequel of Prometheus? Predator or something? Huh? No. Is it? No, not pre. I don't know. It was out two years ago or something. Or one yeah, year ago. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. No, it's really, it's even, it's even worse. It's even worse. Then, but then you have kind of, you know, this play around that maybe we as humans are actually the virus who came to Earth, you know? Yeah, yeah. Kind of those kind of, of kind of, mindfuck games you know that in actually we we ourselves are the invasion and we are the the bad other who kind of destroys everything so yeah i mean you can really play around with it and i think um yeah this can be you know kind of the second level of the analysis so i think this is really interesting to kind of not see it as only a, a pandemic virus film but also look what's what's more behind Mm -hmm. 
Absolutely. By the way, just for our listeners, the, the sequel, which we both think it's worse, it's Alien Covenant, which was released uh, Covenant. in... Covenant. Yeah, yes. Covenant. Yeah, Covenant. Yeah. Covenant. Oh, this is yeah. so bad. The very bad movie. Uh, to my, I mean, at least to me. <laughs> Listen, when, when, when you're stuck in with your father, who's 87, who talks through every movie, it's a great movie to put on just to listen to him, to listen to him saying, what the hell is this all about? <laughs> so yeah, when I have watched some really bad movies in the last few weeks. Uh, and there I is value in bad movies. That was... Absolutely. There is value in bad movies. I mean, I, I think that there are some bad movies which are great just because they are bad. And if they, were, if they were good movies, they wouldn't have been as great as because they were bad. Having said that, and just because we are towards the end of our conversation, um, I would like, I mean, you, we mentioned about the fact that in the end of the day, um, science fiction has to be something that would have a leap of imagination rather than prediction that science fiction is very much linked and and where the you know whatever it is the aliens or 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 the zombies or the the, the virus or whatever kind of i don't know the the robots whatever it is or the monsters are just a pretext for the fears of people but also they are pretexts for the fears of people that usually are not here and there and now, you know, because as I said, you're not going to do it exactly the same way it looks now. So how and what do you think this pandemic would bring to science fiction? I know it's really an overshoot in terms of question, but if you were going to be a movie director of science fiction movie now, like, okay, not exactly now, because probably you cannot shoot a movie, but... If down the line, in a few months' time, you would be a science fiction director, what would be your script about? Do you want to go first or shall I, Isabella? Uh, if you have um, a great idea, you can okay. go. My, my premise on all this is that I've, since day one, I felt that there's something behind COVID-19 that's not just the virus. I, 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 if I'm a conspiracist, fine, shoot me, hang me, and turn me upside down and slit my throat. That's fine by me. But I just feel the world econ economics has hit a, a plateau. It has to change. The, 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 the need to make money is um, the most expensive important thing on the planet when i was a kid we were taught there were seven deadly th sins i don't believe that i only believe there's one and that's greed and i think greed is the biggest problem of why we're not dealing with the pandemic either in the uk or worldwide or in europe it's purely because governments cut back anything that they can avoid paying for in order to maintain and keep money how I see the, the reset button is, if, if I was doing a, a movie, it would be this reset button. How we possibly have a situation where people no longer have jobs. They have a, a credits income. They have a credits income that comes along with a free iPhone. Everything has to be done through the iPhone. I mean, I know we're close to it anyway. But, you know, you, whether it be accounts, whether it be bank, whether it be taxes, whether it be purchases, whether it be it, lifestyle, how you look at the world, it's all monitored, categorized, checked. It's already being done. We know that. And that we have this kind of sterilizing of society into we can make them be angry only online. They can they can vent their anger with a like. They can vent their anger with a thumbs down this is this is not about you know the the you know like the the bolsheviks and, and other events in in time where people go out on the streets and die for their beliefs this will be settled with letting people vote on facebook and ignoring it something like that so i see it see that, that they've actually started to zombify the, the the actual people, the, the working people, not the elite people, not the highly educated people, but the ones at the bottom of the pile that can't make a living, that just tend to breed, 
that just live by the religion, that just want to survive. And they will be put into a position where they can no longer make money because there's no money to be made. Um, the government will set this credit situation up and it will feel like a, a 1984 gone wrong. Already we have the number of high-level um, um, corporations that run the world are reducing into these it could almost be split now into three sections around the world. You know, they control the governments within that section. They control the money within that section. They control. It It does sound like 1984 was probably the all-time greatest dystopian book and possible film um, of all time. Thank you. Anthony and Isabella, what about your movie? What about my movie? Um, so I think actually right now the situation could give the idea to scriptwriters that um, you could have a really bad scenario. I mean, because right now we have a really soft pandemic, right? I mean, mm -hmm. if you compare it to the past uh, or to the Black Death or to the um, Spanish flu, where kind of, I know, I know one third of, of Europe died. I mean, so... We are kind of in a soft pandemic, but I think it could give um, or bring the idea um, of building up something new from the scratch. So if you have now the idea to have a pandemic, which really also kills millions of people, you could use that in a film to think about new ways of economic systems, maybe to think of new social arrangements. So I, I, I could think that this might be um, something to develop and something that is an inspiration for filmmakers. Uh, because also the thing is that the future is non-linear. So we always think that the future is kind of linear. So even if we do foresight or futurolo futurology, I cannot say this. Um, I so can't smell it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's say future science. So if we have um, forecast analysis of future science, this is kind of uses data from the past and then we try to build up scenarios, but we cannot make up for, for things that are non-linearly happening because we don't know what's happening in the future. And we also do this with the past. Absolutely. I mean, our, our whole history studies we try to make sense of nonlinear events and then we construct and tell it as if it were causal events, but it's not. Yeah. I mean, it's a human of construction. And course. we do the same with the future. Yeah. Um, and so, for example, after the Black Death, you know, I just read an article today in uh, Süddeutsche Zeitung that um, after, after the, 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 the disease was gone, the whole economic system changed and there were a lot of chances actually because this was such an unbelievable event it changed everything so i wouldn't say that the um, corona pandemic now will change a lot because i think it's too soft but as an idea for filmmakers if you have really a deadly or really i think it depends i think it depends on how long it goes on i think yeah. that, that will really govern the, the, the knock-on effect because you know it will hit the small business people first and then it'll hit the medium-sized business and then it'll start hitting bigger business and then you know then you have a lot of people without work and a government that has to provide for its people and that will become comp uh, very complex in terms of if if they always said these governments that we didn't have the money then where's the money come from when we have trillions upon trillions of debt worldwide and and and, and i think that everything that you've said actually works in line with what i've said as well it could it's this kind of gemished uh, this yeah kind of, yeah yeah i agree um uh, is uh, um on my hand more than just saying a script uh, because i i wouldn't have it one right here right now but uh, what I think or what I wish is that the past 10 years we've been seeing, especially after the, um, the financial crisis in mm -hmm. 2007, we've been seeing a flourishing of dystopian uh, narratives in movies. Uh, dystopian movies, uh, but also dystopian science fiction in literature and so on has been like the fashionable thing to do. Can I just say one thing at that point? 
yeah. you know, utopian science fiction is not entertaining. I know, and I, I, I will get into this. Of course, I know that utopian science fiction is not entertaining, but there is a difference between... I mean, what, what I think and what I wish is that um, back in, um, in, in, in the 70s, for example, or late 60s and stuff like that, it's true you didn't... Utopian science fiction is not utopian. Take a movie like 2001, uh, 2001 uh, Space Odyssey by Stanley Kubrick, right? That's mm -hmm. not exactly a utopia because you have, you have a lot of dystopia over there. You have, you have the conflict with the machines, uh, the, the artificial intelligence stuff. I mean, you have so many things that, that, that were already ahead of their time, already there. But on the other hand, you didn't have a steady state of, you know, doomsday. Mm. post-apocalypse you know so if there is one thing that i might wish out of, of of the pandemic in terms of of science fiction because if this is to to stay for a little while with us and it seems that it's not going to be as fast as we might think so if this in one way or another is to stay i think that it's the role of science fiction not to depict the here and now otherwise it's just going to become you know, drama or like documentary or like just, you know, whatever. So I really hope that um, we move, uh, the trend would move a little bit beyond the, the classic uh, dystopian, dystopian post-apocalypse thing and, and get us a little bit much more complex stories. Of course, not purely utopian, not purely utopian, but somehow giving us uh, the, the perception Uh, and, and the imagination to imagine another reality, because that's also what we need, like the imagination of uh, another reality, the thought experiment of imagining another reality, another economic system, another geopolitical system. It doesn't need to be utopian, but just the fact that it's completely different from what we have now and not just uh, the extreme of the current situation, Uh, it would be interesting. I mean, at least that's that's my uh, my vision, my wish uh, to be a little bit more optimistic about about the narratives. It's not about for me. It's not about necessarily being optimistic or pessimistic. It's not whether it will be a utopian future or a dystopian future. The only way I I, I look from a personal point of view right now is I see that this world has hit a change point. The world economy has to change. The world order has to change. The way we deal with the increased levels of um, the population has to change. The way we deal with the cons consumption of resources within our planet has to change. If it doesn't, you know, they always said that we were, we've got, we're five billion years away from the end of the earth could end up very much sooner okay that's a dystopian future but there is the potential within humankind to create something that would look nice and serene in a star trek 70s tv series isabella your last words my last words is um that I mean, I, I agree. This is actually what I meant to say, right? That this can give now or, yeah, sparkle or bring inspiration to, to filmmakers and to authors to kind of imagine about new things. And um, also but what you see in all those um, post-apocalyptic films and um, also that are connected um, to climate change, for example. Like if you, what, if you look um, at um, Waterworld or Mad Max, for example. Um, what, what the thing is that they show us a really dark future, um, but at the same time, there is always this uh, spark of hope. So if you have the worst post-apocalyptic setting in a science fiction film, there is always this little, little glimpse of hope in it. And I think this is very much human too, because I mean, how would you show a future where, I mean, there is uh, humankind no vanished, right? <laughs> because maybe this, maybe this would be um, kind of an uh, exact depiction of the future. So I don't know. So, but you cannot just um, 
show us a wasteland because I mean wouldn't be interesting at all but still there is this 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 glimpse of hope and as long as you do this maybe we as watchers of those films we don't have really an incentive to change behavior because as bad as it gets humanity we will survive anyhow we still so, think you know, we are going we are going we are going to make it We're going to make it. This is what the films tell because they are made by humans for humans. So I don't know. It's also, you know, it's ambivalent, I guess. So I don't know. But this is what the films tell us. They always, even if they are very, very dystopian, they always tell us about that we're going to survive. Or we have uh, the opposite in comedy science fiction, for example, the Hitchhiker Guides to the Galaxy. You get yeah. all of a sudden our planet just uh, blown away because there is an intergalactic uh, highway that needs to be built. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> that's actually, and as, as, as they say in a Hitchhiker's Guide, time is is an illusion. Lunchtime, doubly so. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And since we are on 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 Hitchhiker Guides to the Galaxy, I would say. Uh, To conclude this uh, really uh, good conversation that we had, we had today, I would say so long and thanks for all the fish for to to both of you, uh, Anthony and Isabella, but as well for our listeners for for having tuned in to this special episode of of Europarama, and I hope that all of us are going to keep safe and um, and all the best wishes for everyone in this very special moment that we are living. So uh, obviously uh, we are very much aware about the seriousness of the situation and we hope that by bringing this conversation science fiction we could, you know, make some perspective both on the politics of what's going on as well on the narratives, the imagination and our daily lives. So thank you very much for, for listening to Europarama. Uh, and if you want to listen more episodes, you can, of course, go on the channel and they are available on all kind of platforms from Spotify, iTunes and so on. And I would like to remind you that Europarama is part of the Are We Europe podcasting family. And in Are We Europe website, you can find as well the other podcasts of that family. Thank you very much and have a good day. Bye bye. Ciao, ciao. Thank you.